You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 160. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. already feeling the weight gain of the holidays. I know that Halloween is over and I do hope the Halloween candy is gone, but for a lot of people, it's still sitting in the house and you're still eating it every night, right? And we have Thanksgiving coming up before you know it. And then there's holiday vacations. And if you're feeling the overwhelm of all of it and you just you want to make sure you're on track in January, then now is the time to register for any of my programs. Everything is sold out pretty much until January. Other than the holiday challenge, you can still register for the holiday challenge in December, two weeks to help you not gain weight over the holidays. But my January sessions are now open for registration. Go to earnthatbody.com. Feel free to email me, Kim at earnthatbody.com, if you have questions about what program would be best for you so that you can lose weight and get in the best health of your life starting in January. That is my most sold out month because of course everybody's got New Year's resolutions, but I want to get you registered today so that you know in January you are set up for success in 2020. Okay, what are we talking about today? We have an Ask Me Anything episode. Lots of my clients had emailed in or on social media, had posted lots of different questions that they had for me about my personal health or other aspects of health and training and whatnot. So it is an Ask Me Anything episode. But first, this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, we are going to talk about sugar. So in the Consumer Reports on Health newsletter, they had an article that says more reasons to cut sugar. Adults who got 10% or more of their daily calories from sugary drinks like soda had a 44% higher risk of heart-related death and a 14% higher risk of death from any cause over six years than those who got less than 5% of their calories from such drinks. That is according to a study of over 13,000 people. Now, it didn't prove that sugary drinks caused the deaths, but the research say that the high consumption can hike the risk of diabetes, inflammation, and high blood pressure. Now, the American Heart Association recommends that women get no more than 25 grams, which is six teaspoons of sugar a day, and 36 grams, which is nine teaspoons a day for men. A 12 ounce can of soda has about 39 grams of sugar. Now, if you're one of my clients, you know that I give you a certain amount of sugar grams per day that I don't want you to go over, but that includes your fruits and your dairy as well. So I give you a number that's a little higher. These numbers are talking about your added sugars. Added sugars are things like sugary drinks like soda. So getting rid of these sodas alone are definitely important for your health. I mean, 44% higher risk of heart-related death from drinking sugary drinks, is it really worth it? I really don't think it is. But the thing about the sodas is that people get so addicted, so addicted. And don't get me wrong, anybody who knows me knows that like my guilty pleasure is a Coke. 
I, not diet guys, I will not drink anything diet. I cannot stand that taste, but I love a Coke. But honestly, it's a guilty pleasure that I maybe let myself have a couple times a year and, and that's it, but not daily because yeah, the sugar is through the roof and our bodies just cannot sustain that much sugar. So if you are someone who's going to the 7-Eleven and you get that huge big gulp or your kids are doing it, And if you think that it's okay to get the diet one because it doesn't have the sugar in it, you're actually wrong. It's gonna create a different set of problems. The diet sodas really mess with your hormones and most people who drink the diet sodas are the most addicted and there's absolutely nothing good in a diet soda. It is all chemicals and it is harmful and there is nothing proven about diet soda to help with weight loss. It it doesn't help you lose weight. So. Let's get on the water trend right now. And with the holidays around the quarter, let's make water and hot teas perhaps our main focus for hydration. Okay, let's get right to it. The Ask Me Anything episode, once a quarter or so, I like to take questions because a lot of people have questions for me and they, when I start to see the same questions all the time, I say, well, let's do an Ask Me Anything episode so I can share the answer with everyone since several people have asked. Now, um, this one, only only one person asked. Uh, Susan Burton asked, tell us about your newfound passion for gardening, what you're learning, what you love about it, and what gardening goals you have. So yes, so I have become absolutely crazy about gardening. It started, uh, I think, in May. We're in November now. I never know when you're going to hear the podcast. In May, I decided that I wanted to start, you know, growing a few vegetables and and nothing nothing major. And my sweet husband built me a raised garden bed that's just gorgeous. Um, and so he helped me fill it with all the, you know, natural organic soils. And I went to the garden store. We happen to have this amazing garden store. If you, uh, haven't been there in Austin, it's called the natural gardener. It's like acres of land and it's amazing. Anyway, I was kind of like dumbfounded when I got there because I was like, oh my God, this is like a whole, this is like a whole world, this gardening thing. And so I did go ahead and plant a summer garden and I planted all kinds of tomatoes and um, peppers and jalapenos and bell peppers, um, Malabar spinach, which grows like crazy here in Austin. And everything just started growing and I was so amazed and it brought me so much joy. I cannot even tell you. Like if you've ever even been remotely interested in gardening, please do this. And if you have any younger children, like this is my one regret is that I didn't really know about gardening when my son was young. I can't think of anything better to do with your young child to have them plant something and then watch it grow and then be able to eat it, right? Okay, but why it resonates with me so much, it really really shouldn't be, you know, that crazy of a reason because I am so, I don't want to say obsessed, but I'm so into and all for like organic food and eating real food. And there was this real thing that resonated with me with the gardening is that I planted this from a seed. I'm in complete control of my soil and I don't use any pesticides and I create it and then I get to eat it knowing exactly what's on it and where it came from. And to me, that is just like amazing. And it's the cleanest form of eating I can possibly do. And 
knowing how hard it is, because not everything grew great. Actually, everything grew great except my cucumbers. I had a lot of problems with the cucumbers. But you realize that like there's lots of bugs and how do you handle it? And I personally just didn't use any pesticides. I would go out every day and pull the leaves that were infected and did what I could. But you realize when you do this that even when you buy organic produce and your organic vegetables, organic fruit, you know they have to be using something on the fruit and vegetables, even though it's organic. And they tell me all the, they, you know, they sold me all these organic sprays and this is neem oil and it's organic and it's not a pesticide, but it's this. You see that they use something likely to keep the bugs off the majority of their plants. So in fact, even though it's organic, there are some sprays on our organic foods. And I just can't think of a better way to eat except if I can make it myself, right? So my garden turned from one um, very large raised garden bed to another. My, I asked my husband, can you make me another one? So now I have another raised garden bed and now I have all my fall vegetables planted in it like broccoli and kale and spinach, cilantro, and I'm growing Brussels sprouts for the first time and I, literally get such a kick every day. <laughs> every day at four o'clock, I make myself stop working and I go out into the garden with my dogs and I do the watering and the picking and, and everything. And it's just brought a lot of joy to my life. Again, for me, because I have such a passion for real food, this could not be a better fit. Um, and I just want like acres <laughs> and acres of my garden. Like that would be my goal. When you say, what's your goal? To have more, to make more, to not have to go to the market and buy any fruits and vegetables. And then to get chickens that lay my eggs. <laughs> That's coming. So thank you, Susan, for asking that question. Susan's a master gardener, so she knows all about the joy of it too. Now she also asked, we all know you as a full-time working fitness and nutrition professional, super mom, podcaster, online personal trainer, local Austin health ambassador, training for races, chair of the high school track team, appearing on TV and on radio and in magazines. After reading that, Susan, I was exhausted. I was like, do I do all that? My gosh. After one more year of high school for Charlie, he will go off to college and likely not be living at home. Now I'm about to cry. My question for you is how do you envision or do you envision your life will change both work-wise and personal-wise? And she says, selfishly asking, sort of, so your clients can know what to expect in the next few years. So yes, I guess I do a lot of stuff. You listed a lot of stuff that I currently do. And yes, Charlie will go to college. He's a junior, so a year and a half to go. Um, and he is starting to look at colleges right now. So my life will definitely change in a year and a half. Um, I will be an empty nester. <clears throat> I can't even imagine. And uh, and yeah, my life will, will change. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know. I don't know yet how it's going to change. Um, I'm glad to have a garden. <laughs> I'm glad to have other things to focus on. And that's what I will likely do. Um, I have said, well, 
I'll probably do another Ironman when Charlie goes to college. It'll give me something else to focus on. I'm not sure right now um, with my with my body if I'll be able to do another Ironman, but I'll certainly that's a that's a possibility. It would be something I would do with my husband. We talked about well, let's train for an Ironman together at that point. Uh, my sister thinks I'll need to get a puppy at that point, <laughs> so I might need to be getting a third dog. And I don't think that work will change that much. I'm very blessed in that I created a business that I can take with me wherever I go. My husband is a private pilot, and so I will have the opportunity to travel with him more once Charlie goes to college. But I don't think it would affect my business at all because, like I said, that business can come with me wherever I travel. So I don't see the business changing much. Uh, If anything, I might have even more time to start more programs, but we will just take it day by day. Okay, Christy, and I. this is how I pronounce your last name, Christy. Angie Mo, Moen is what I say in my head, but it's probably Christy Angie Moen. Not sure, but that's how I say it. So she says, so Kim, do you vary the foods you prepare or do you have a set menu for each day? For example, Monday dinner is always chicken, veggie, stir fry. Tuesday is dinner tacos. Wednesday dinner with meatballs. Do you eat the same thing every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday? Great question. Lots of people ask me that. No, I definitely don't. I don't have like a set Monday meal, a set Tuesday meal. Um, Sometimes we go meatless Monday, but honestly, we go meatless like two or three times a week. So it's not always on a Monday necessarily. But I do sort of have like five main meals that I tend to make the most. So it's not like I'm varying things all the time. Although usually at least once a week, I do try a new recipe. If my husband's in town, he cooks a couple of the meals a week. But again, they're usually like the same meals that we tend to eat. We definitely do tacos with ground turkey meat once a week. Um, I usually do some kind of vegetarian dish or a stir fry once a week. There's a pasta that I love once a week. So, you know, it's not on the necessarily on the same day, but as most people do, you, you tend to start to have like five or six recipes that you make most of the time. But I do like to vary it when I can, but I just don't always have time to try a new recipe. Lisa Lopez, you have asked, what advice do you have for anyone who potentially wants to get into health coaching and the fitness industry? It's a great question. I've actually helped a lot of people recently doing some um, business type, I don't know what you want to call it. I do some business advising with people. They they pay me for the hour. I give them some business advice. And a lot of them are health and, and coaches and fit in the fitness industry. Now, what I would say to anybody who wants to get into this industry is you got to be really passionate about it. So don't be passionate about it in the sense of, oh, I'm going to go teach at the gym because I love to work out. Because honestly, when you're teaching, you should not be working out. That is not your time to work out. When you're teaching, you should be assisting others, demonstrating a move, walking around. That's not actually your workout hour. So I always like to remind people, if you want to be a fitness instructor, don't do it because you want to get your workout in. Because that is not your workout time. You got to work out after that and you don't want to work out during your class. But you might just want to be a health coach or a nutrition coach or just in my industry I want you to be really passionate about it. But that goes for anything you do in life, right? Whatever your business is, you should be really passionate about it. Because if you're passionate about it, you'll be successful. You'll put your heart and soul into it. And I feel like that's 
One of the things that makes me successful is that I'm passionate about what I offer, what I teach, what I preach. Now, another thing is I I do recommend you come up with a niche, a niche, however you want to say it, because at this point, the health and fitness market is very oversaturated. Now, you have to understand, when I started Earn That Body, I started about 10, 11 years ago. I was one of the only people doing fitness and nutrition online at that time. I had to create my own platforms at that time. Everything was not available that is today. So back then it was like, wow, this has never been done before. But 10 years later, everyone and their mother is doing it. So it is a very oversaturated market. So if you are interested in the fitness industry, I do kind of recommend find a little niche that that suits you, whether it's prenatal fitness, postnatal fitness, helping the elderly, um, helping triathletes, or focusing on runners, or whatever it is, I think at this point, because the market is so saturated, if you can find and hone down on something really different or just unique or something that people will go to who have that problem or that, that hobby, I think that it will definitely help you. I'd also say be careful of aligning yourself with any brand. Uh, a lot of I see a lot of fitness people uh, become ambassadors for brands and then they're always promoting a certain brand and offering a discount code because they're gonna get a kickback. And I just, I don't, it's not, if you're really passionate about the brand, then go for it. But I get concerned when I see people, oh, one day they're promoting this brand and then two weeks later they're promoting a different brand and then they no longer like the first brand. It it just, to me, it takes some of, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but it just, it takes some of their credibility away, I guess, because I know they're just trying to make a hard sale. And so I, one thing you'll see with me is I, I generally, I don't associate with any brands. I may tell you, oh, I use this, but I generally don't make a commission and, and become an ambassador from something. So it's something you want to be very careful of. Make sure, obviously, you get the certifications that you need, whether it's in nutrition or fitness. And I always recommend go practice whatever it is you want to do out on people before you start promoting it. So if you want to help people with weight loss, then go create something and practice it on like 10 people and make sure it worked. Uh, You might have to revise things or if you're going to work with runners and you want to help them with speed, go take like five friends and do it. And then that's how you sort of get started before you start promoting what you want to do. Really really hone down on what you want to do and make sure that it works. So that's my two cents on if you want to get into my industry. My next question, Chris Smith, how are you training or tweaking your diet to cope as we move towards different stages of menopause? She's been reading a book called Roar by Stacey Sims and she wonders where I stand. So yes, um, I'm 47. I I am not gone through menopause yet. I will say this year, I thought I was starting to see signs, but now they're gone. That can happen for like five years, I know. And obviously a lot of my clients are at this perimenopausal age, some that are in menopause as well. I guess what I would say is, for one, I, I mean, I'm still in the research period of it all. And I, I do hope to do an entire episode on menopause, but it really does, it, it's going to take a lot of research because I want to do it right. But 
I was trained in Eastern medicine, and it was really funny because all of my Eastern professors uh, would say, why in America does everybody treat menopause as a disease? Menopause is part of life. It's part of aging, and it's normal. I feel sad that we live in a time that so many of the Western doctors are treating menopause like it's an illness. Now, I understand the symptoms are not comfortable for many, many people, and I can't, I can't talk about that yet because I haven't been through it yet. And so all I can tell you is what my goal is. My goal is to go through menopause and never take anything. I do not want to take hormones that are going to unbalance what my body is trying to do naturally. But that's me, and there's no judgment to those who are taking hormones. I have many friends and have many clients who tried to go as long as they could, and they were just so uncomfortable they couldn't live that way. And they're happy on their hormones. Um, I also have a lot of people who've tried the hormones and then gained weight and couldn't drop the weight, and it was making it worse with menopause, so they went off the hormones and they felt better off the hormones. It's a personal thing. And you've got to do what is best for you. Now, what I can tell you is there are certain aspects of menopause that, you know, there are literally things that the body, the body is going to change. So some of the things like you're going to have declining estrogen and that can affect your metabolism and it can affect your muscle mass and it can affect your bone density. So Everything that I have read and what I know so far is like making sure your nutrition is so balanced. And they talk about make sure you're getting in dairy because we need to keep up the calcium in our body for that bone density. It's so crucial. And so I fear for those people who go dairy free, even though they don't have a dairy intolerance, but they think that it makes them healthier. And then you go through menopause and you might not be getting the calcium that your body needs, or you're you're getting it all from a pill, and hopefully that supplement is you know not tainted with anything else. But you do have to really keep your nutrition incredibly balanced because yeah, there's gonna be a shift, and we're gonna we're gonna have to be careful with our bone density, and we have to we're gonna feel a change when our estrogen is dropping. But I just personally feel like if you let it happen naturally over time, you'll you'll get through menopause just fine and, and you'll get to the other side and it's fine. When we start interfering with hormones that are, you know, from the doctor that we're taking, that's when our body doesn't totally know what to do and then we are at the mercy of the hormones that the doctor gave us. And then if you wanna go off of those at some point, then you gotta wean off them and hope that your body sort of regulates back if you see what I'm saying. Again, it's really personal and I don't judge anybody. You have to do what is best for you. You have to do your own research as well. I will try to continue to give you the research that I gain as I go through perimenopause and menopause. But also what I've read is that your diet has to be basically what I already preach. You have to be eating the vegetables and the fruit and getting in protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Like they say, it's the full balance. Like you don't want to be doing no keto diet while you're going on through menopause. Like you've got to take your nutrition really seriously because it will help you through the process. And also, Chris, as you know, I know that you're a runner and I'm a runner at endurance. Our endurance training is a lot on the body and we might have to slow down even in menopause. We don't have to stop 
But I am reading more and more that like, you know, what we're asking of our bodies with these continuous marathons and Ironmans, we might not be able to do so many of them <laughs> forever. You're going to see that your recovery is not quite what it used to be. But we can, stay, we can keep going. I'm not telling you you have to stop, but your nutrition has to be 100% to do it all. So great question. All right, our final question today from Sandy Sinclair. She says, how should you determine whether it's time to lift heavier for a particular muscle group? I know I can tell, you, tell when I'm lifting too light, but often I have a hard time telling how heavy to go. So this one, yes, this is something I've, I've done some videos on before. How do you know when you should lift heavier? What I like to do is a very simple one minute test. So depending on what your muscle group is, say we're testing bicep curls, right? I want you to start a timer and get weights and see how many reps can you do in a minute with great form. And if you can do 20 reps, then you can go heavier. <laughs> I want you to get to a place where you're struggling to do eight reps in one minute. So now you're probably thinking eight reps. Well, uh, huh. Eight reps throughout the minute. So that means you're lifting heavy enough that you're going fairly slow, right? So it's like, okay, I've got my bicep curls. I'm going to lift all the way up. Okay, and now I'm slowly gonna release all the way down because it's heavy, okay. So that could be 10, 11 seconds right there, right? It was heavy enough that it was causing a struggle to do it with good form, and I can get about eight in that way in one minute. That's when you know you're probably at the perfect weight. If you're doing 12, 15, 20 reps in that one minute, I think you can go heavier. And there will come a place where like, you're like, okay, but kind of between weights, like this weight, 20 pounds is a little too heavy, 15 is a little too light. I feel like I'm somewhere in between. In that case, what I like to do is take the 20 pounds, do two to three reps with 20, and then drop down to the 15. And then work your way up. Before you know it, you're gonna be doing four or five reps with the 20 and dropping down. But that's the best way to really, in my opinion, know if you can lift heavier. You should be challenging yourself. And doing 20, 30 reps of anything, unless they're pulses, um, it's not really gonna benefit you as much as lifting a heavier weight much slower with absolutely awesome form. And that was everything today. If you ever have any questions, any ask me anything questions that you would like to be on the next podcast episode, again, I'll probably do it next quarter, shoot me an email, kim at earnthatbody.com. Please make sure you follow me on all social media as well because I'm always posting there on Facebook on the Earn That Body page or Instagram or my Instagram stories. I'll ask you for questions for the podcast, but I'm also trying to promote something inspirational each day. In my Instagram stories, I post a lot about what I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I show you different recipes. I show you different workouts. So on Instagram, I have a whole um, video section as well. So make sure you do follow because all that's free, right? Who doesn't want free inspiration? Now, I hope you go out, have a fantastic week, get signed up for one of my January sessions so that you can enjoy the holidays knowing that you have a spot in January. I can't tell you how many people try to sign up with me the week before January 1st and I am sold out and they're so disappointed. Don't be disappointed, sign up now and 
Just remember that Earn That Body podcast is always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information that you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.